ثم مضت عشرون يوما كاملة فرمت الجن نجوم هائلة ثم دعا في أربع الأعوام بالأمر جهرة إلى الإسلام وأربع من النساء واثنى عشر من الرجال الصحب كل قد هجر إلى بلاد الحبش في خامس عام وفيه عادوا ثم عادوا لا ملام ثلاثة هم وثمانون رجل ومعهم جماعة حتى كمل وهن عشر وثمان ثم قد أسلم في السادس حمزة الأسد وبعد تسع من سني رسالته مات أبو طالب ذو كفالته وبعده خديجة توفيت من بعد أيام ثلاثة مضت وبعد خمسين وربع أسلما جن نصيبين وعادوا فعلما ثم على سودة أمضى عقده في رمضان ثم كان بعده عقد ابنة الصديق في شوالي وبعد خمسين وعام تالي بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters and welcome back to our series on the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taking the great poem Al-Urjuza Tulmi'iyya fi dhikri hali ashraf al-bariyya for Ibn Abil Izz al-Hanafi rahimuhullah and today we have reached verse or line 25 but before we start at the end of our last lesson we began to discuss the first revelation the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he was given and commissioned as a prophet with the revelation of the first few ayat from Surah Iqra. And as the ulama have said, he was made a messenger with the opening verses from Surah Al-Muddathir. And the ulama said after that, that Surah Al-Muzzammil was revealed in other surah as well in the early Meccan stage. Now the Imam moves on and mentions in verse 25, the shooting stars sent down on the jinn 20 days after the revelation began. He says, Rahimuhullah, ثم مضت عشرون يوما كاملة فرمت الجن نجوم هائلة After 20 complete days had passed, terrifying stars were cast down on the jinn. Now the Sheikh says here after 20 complete days had passed, meaning from the time the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was sent with the message of Islam, meaning from the first revelation. فرمت الجن, meaning cast down on the jinn, meaning those jinn who used to try to eavesdrop on the revelation, were what? Wunujumun, stars, meaning shooting stars. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He informed us of the jinn after guarding the heavens with shooting stars. And we have sought to reach the heaven, but found it filled with stern guards and flaming fires. وَأَنَّا كُنَّا نَقْعُضُ مِنْهَا مَقَاعِدَ لِلسَّمْعِ فَمَنْ يَسْتَمِعِ الْآنِ يَجِدْ لَهُ شِهَابًا رَصَدًا And verily, we used to sit there in stations to still a hearing. But any who listens now will find a flaming fire watching him in ambush. And these ayat are from Surah Al-Jinn, ayat 8 and 9. And the Shaykh, he described these nujum these shooting stars as ha'ila, meaning terrifying, meaning it is a dreadful matter 
in which it is not known from what direction one is suddenly attacked. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah, he said, the scholars of Sirah have stated, the Quraysh saw stars being cast down 20 days after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was sent with the message of Islam. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu an, he says, the jinn used to go up in the heavens to eavesdrop on the revelation. When they heard a statement, they would add nine to it. The statement is the truth, and what they added was falsehood. When the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was sent with the message, the jinn were prohibited from sitting and listening. So they mentioned this to Iblis, and no stars were cast down on them before. Iblis said to them, this is only happening due to a matter occurring on the earth. So he dispatched his army, and they found the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam standing in prayer between two mountains. When they returned, they told Iblis it was in Mecca. He said, this is the occurrence which happened on the earth. And this report is found in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad and Sunan al-Tirmidhi and other than that, and an Imam al-Tirmidhi said it is Hassan Sahih, and Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah said it is Sahih. Now moving on to verse 26, the Shaykh said, ثُمَّ دَعَا فِي أَرْبَعِ الْأَعْوَامِ بِالْأَمْرِ جَهْرَةً إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ Afterward, he propagated in the fourth year openly calling to Islam as commanded. Now the Shaykh here is pointing out that the beginning of the Prophet's open call occurred in the fourth year after being sent the message of Islam, meaning after being commissioned as a messenger. Before that, he called to the religion of Islam in secret. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he says in his great book, Zad al-Ma'ad, he sallallahu alayhi wasallam took on the propagation of calling to Allah in secret for three years. Afterward, Allah revealed, فَاسْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Therefore, proclaim openly Allah's message, that which you are commanded, and turn away from the mushrikeen. So he sallallahu alayhi wasallam started to openly give his da'wah and publicly declared enmity to his people and what they were upon. So the harm upon him and the Muslims increased until Allah allowed them to make two migrations. And this is what the Shaykh mentions next in verses 27 and 28, the migration to Al-Habasha. Four women and twelve men, all of them migrated to the land of Al-Habasha in the fifth year. And during that time, they returned. Afterward, they went back without warning. So the Shaykh now is speaking about the first migration to Al-Habasha or Abyssinia or modern-day Ethiopia. And the number of those who first migrated were 16. 12 men and 4 women. And all of them migrated to the land of Al-Habasha in the fifth year after prophethood, meaning after the Prophet ﷺ was commissioned as a Prophet ﷺ. And the Shaykh says, and in it they returned, meaning in the same year they returned, meaning back to Mecca. And this was because, as the scholars have mentioned, news had reached them that the situation was far better in Mecca and that the harming and the persecution of the Muslims had stopped. So they returned to Mecca from Al-Habasha. When they came close to arriving in Mecca, it became clear to them that this was not the case, that the Muslims were still being persecuted. So some of them entered Mecca, or some of them returned back to Al-Habasha, back to the land of Al-Habasha. Then in the next verses, 
verses 29 and 30. The Sheikh speaks about the second migration to Al-Habasha and also about Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, accepting Islam. He says, Rahimahullah, ثلاثة هم وثمانون رجل ومعهم جماعة حتى كمل وهن عشر وثمان ثم قد أسلم في السادس حمزة الأسد There were 83 men and with them was a group. There was 18. In the 60, Hamza the lion accepted Islam. Now the Sheikh starts off by telling us that the number of men who made the second migration to Al-Habasha was 83 men. And the number of women was 18. Al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he says in his great book, Zad al-Ma'ad, When the number of Muslims increased, and the disbelievers began to fear that, the harming of him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and torture of the Muslims increased. So the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, allowed them to migrate to Al-Habasha. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, There is a king where no one person is wronged under his rule. So 12 men and 4 women made the migration. And here he's referring to the first migration to Al-Habasha. He continues to say, Rahimahullah, Among them was Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu an, who was the first to leave along with his wife Ruqayya, the daughter of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They lived in Al-Habasha in the most excellent circumstances. Later news reached them that the Quraysh accepted Islam, although this news was a lie. So when they returned to Mecca, it was told to them that the situation had become worse than before. Some of them returned to Al-Habasha, where a group entered and encountered severe harm from the Quraysh. Among those who entered Mecca was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an. Later, they were allowed to migrate a second time to Al-Habasha, so 83 men and 18 women migrated. They lived there under Al-Najashi, the king of Al-Habasha in other words, under the most excellent living conditions. The Quraysh were made aware of this, so they dispatched Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah bin Abi Rabi'ah in order to plot against them before the ruler Al-Najashi. Although Allah hurled their plot back at them, meaning their plan did not work. As Al-Najashi was a just leader and he allowed the Muslims to live there in safety and security, allowing them to practice their religion. Then the Sheikh says in the next part of the line, ثُمَّ قَدْ أَسْلَمَ فِي السَّادِسِ In the sixth year, Hamza al-Asad, Hamza the lion, accepted Islam. And as we know, my dear brothers and sisters, Hamza is the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning he is the brother of his father Abdullah. And Hamza is also the brother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Rida'a, by way of suckling. And as we know, my dear brothers and sisters, Hamza accepting Islam aided the religion and gave might, respect and honor to the Muslims. And as many of the ulama said, a few days later, Umar ibn al-Khattab an accepted Islam. And with those two accepting Islam, there was a great victory for the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthened Islam and the Muslims with these two great men. Now moving on, my dear brothers and sisters, the Muslims in Mecca were suffering greatly. They were being attacked verbally and physically. And the Quraysh were planning day and night to attack the Muslims, to put doubt in the hearts of the Muslims. Until it reached a stage where they totally boycotted the Muslims in the seventh year after prophethood and lasted for a few years. Some said three years. Then after that was the passing away of Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet and also 
the passing away of his beloved wife Khadija radiyallahu an. And this is what the Sheikh mentions in lines 31 and 32. He says, Rahimuhullah, وبعد تسع من سني رسالته مات أبو طالب ذو كفالته وبعده خديجة توفيت من بعد أيام ثلاثة مضت After nine years into being sent as a messenger, his uncle Abu Talib, who took care of him, died. After his passing, Khadija also passed away after only three days. So here the Sheikh, rahimahullah, is telling us about the death of Abu Talib and his wife Khadija, radiallahu anha. And as we know, my dear brothers and sisters, Abu Talib was the one who took on the responsibility of caring for the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, passed away. And he would strengthen and support the Prophet throughout his life. And after Abu Talib passed away, his beloved wife Khadija also passed away. Ibn Kathir, he said in his book, Al Bidaya wa Nihaya, the chapter on the death of Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet, and afterward the passing of the wife of the Messenger of Allah, Khadija. Some scholars stated, that she passed away before him, although what is well known is that he passed away first, meaning Abu Talib. They both showed compassion to him. His uncle Abu Talib showed outward compassion to him, while she showed inward compassion to him. He was a disbeliever, yet she was a truthful believer, radiallahu anha. Ibn Ishaq, rahimahullah, he said, after Khadija and Abu Talib passed away in the same year, several calamities befell the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam after the passing of Khadija as she was a genuine advisor to him in dealing with difficult situations. He would find comfort in her. Likewise, he encountered difficulties with the passing of his uncle Abu Talib as he was a backer and refuge for him as well as a force and help against his people. This incident happened three years before the migration to Medina. So with the passing of Abu Talib, the Quraysh were able to achieve their aspirations of harming the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that wasn't possible when Abu Talib was alive. Then the Shaykh moves on and speaks about the jinn of Nasibin accepting Islam. After 50 and one-fourth, a group of jinn from Nasibin accepted Islam and returned to advise. وَبَعْدَ خَمْسِينَ meaning after 50 years from the time of his birth sallallahu alayhi wasallam or 10 years after he was commissioned as a prophet and one-fourth of a year which is three months. A group of jinn from Nasibin accepted Islam. Nul-Jawzi rahimahullah he said when the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam reached three months after turning 50 a group of jinn from Nasibin accepted Islam. And this is also mentioned by Al-Hafid Al-Iraqi in his famous thousand verse poem on the seerah. He says, Rahimuhullah, وَبَعْدَ أَنْ مَضَتْ لَهُ خَمْسُونَ وَرُبْعُ عَامٍ جَاءَهُ يَسْعَوْنَ جِنُّ نَصِبِينَ لَهُ وَكَانَ يَقْرَأُ فِي صَلَاتِهِ قُرْآنَ بِنَخْلَةٍ فَاسْتَمَعُوا وَأَسْلَمُوا وَرَجَعُوا فَأَنْذَرُوا قَوْمَهُمْ after 50 years and three months passed, a group of jinn from Nasibin went to him while he was reciting the Quran in Salah in a date palm tree. They listened and accepted Islam. Afterward, they returned to warn their people. Now, Shaykh Abdul Razak al-Badr, he said that this incident occurred after he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, journeyed to At-Ta'if. 
And the Prophet wasallam he went to call the people of a ta'if to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they rejected him. They did not accept his call. And it was reported that he made the great supplication, Allahumma ilayka ashku da'fa quwwati, O Allah, I only complain to you of my weak strength until the end of the supplication. When he وسلم, left them, he spent a night under a date palm tree. He stood up to make salah and he recited these verses of the Quran. And who heard him? The jinn of Nasibin. And Nasibin is an area or a country between Turkey and Syria. And these jinn, after accepting Islam, they returned to advise and warn and call their people to Islam. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Ayah 29, وَإِذَا صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفَرًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنِ فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوا قَالُوا أَنصِطُوا فَلَمَّا قُضِيَ وَلَّوْا إِلَى كَوْمِهِمْ مُنْذِرِينَ And remember, when we sent towards you, O Muhammad, نَفَرًا meaning three to ten persons of the jinn quietly listening to the Qur'an. When they stood in the presence thereof, they said, listen in silence. And when it was finished, they returned to their people as warners. And this is proof also, my dear brothers and sisters, that the Prophet ﷺ was sent to not only all of mankind, but to jinn as well. Then the Shaykh moves on in verses or lines 34 and 35, speaking about the Prophet's marriage to Sauda and then to Aisha radiallahu anhuma. He said, Rahimullah. ثم على سودة أمضى عقده في رمضان ثم كان بعده عقد ابنة الصديق في شوالي وبعد خمسين وعام تالي. Afterward, he completed his marriage contract to Sauda in the month of Ramadan. After it, he married Bint al-Siddiq in the month of Shawwal. The Sheikh started off by saying in this line, ثم على سودة meaning afterward to Sauda, and this statement is attached to the previous statement where he mentions, rahimahullah, the passing of Khadija, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And as we know, she was the only wife whom the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not marry another while married to her. So a short period after the passing of Khadija, amda aqdahu, he completed his marriage to Sauda radiallahu anha. And she was previously married to As-Sakran radiallahu an, and they were both among those who migrated to Al-Habasha. After they returned to Mecca, he, As-Sakran radiallahu an, passed away. The Prophet married Sauda, who was then a widow, and completed his marriage contract in Ramadan before his migration to Medina. And some of the ulama said it was two years before the migration to Medina, and some said it was three years. Wallahu alam. Now among her good characteristics and qualities, is that as she became older, she gave up her night with the Prophet ﷺ to Aisha. Because as we know, the Prophet ﷺ had many wives and he would share his nights with his wives ﷺ. So as she became older and the Prophet ﷺ had decided that he was going to divorce her, she opted to give her day to Aisha due to the Prophet's love of her, meaning his love of Aisha. So this shows that she was not selfish. So she chose radiallahu anha to remain his wife and to enjoy the favor of being his wife in the hereafter. And after his marriage to As-Sauda, he married Bint al-Siddiq, meaning Aisha, in the month of Shawwal, 
radiyallahu anha. And Alama said once again that it was around two years or three years before migration. And the Prophet wasallam he did not consummate the marriage until they arrived in Medina. And as we know, Aisha's characteristics are great. Her qualities are great. Firstly, she is the most beloved wife of the Prophet She was the only virgin that he married Also, revelations sometimes would be revealed to the Prophet while he was with her under her bed cover. Also, her innocence from the lies that she was accused of was sent down in revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we will recite this ayat until the day of judgment. Also, she was the most knowledgeable wife of the wives of the Prophet especially when it comes to fiqh, Islamic jurisprudence. And really, my dear brothers and sisters, she is the most knowledgeable woman of this ummah. And also from her virtues is that the Prophet passed away in her house while lying on the upper part of her chest. So to summarize and conclude, my dear brothers and sisters, in today's episode, we spoke about the jinn being prevented from eavesdropping on revelation from the heavens, and also about the Prophet ﷺ being ordered to openly proclaim the da'wah. And we know that the ulama have grouped up the stages of da'wah into a few stages. Firstly, the Meccan stage of the da'wah, and then the Medina stage of the da'wah. So the first 13 years is the Meccan stage, the Meccan period. And then we have the Medina period which is after Hijrah until the death of the Prophet And then the Meccan stage can be broken up as well into a few stages, such as the ulama who broke it up into the secret da'wah, the first few years, the first three years of the da'wah, so the private core, and then the open core from the fourth year onwards, which we discussed. And we also discussed in this episode the first and second hijrah to Al-Habasha or Abyssinia due to the persecution that the Muslims were facing. And also as the other ulama mentioned, it wasn't only due to persecution. It may have also been that the Prophet wasallam wanted to spread Islam and have another safe haven for the Muslims. So this is what some of the ulama have mentioned because some of those who migrated were from, from the upper class of Meccan society who would not have been persecuted physically in Mecca. Wallahu alam. And we also spoke about the deaths of Abu Talib and Khadija and then the jinn of Nasibin becoming Muslim after the Prophet's trip to Ta'if. And we finished off by discussing the Prophet marrying Sauda and Aisha. And with that, we conclude today's episode. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. ثم مضت عشرون يوما كاملة فرمت الجن نجوم هائلة ثم دعا في أربع الأعوام بالأمر جهرة إلى الإسلام وأربع من النساء واثنى عشر من الرجال الصحب كل قد هجر إلى بلاد الحبش في خامس عام وفيه عادوا ثم عادوا لا ملام ثلاثة هم وثمانون رجل ومعهم جماعة حتى كمل وهن عشر وثمان ثم قد أسلم في السادس حمزة الأسد وبعد تسع من سني رسالته مات أبو طالب ذو كفالته وبعده خديجة توفيت من بعد أيام ثلاثة مضت 
وبعد خمسين وربع أسلما جن نصيبين وعادوا فعلما ثم على سودة أمضى عقده في رمضان ثم كان بعده عقد ابنة الصديق في شوالي وبعد خمسين وعام تالي